0: Welcome to Season 3 of Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a confidence life coach, comedian, and mother of two. I invite you to join me bi weekly for confidence tips and interesting chats with my guests who either work in fields that help develop confidence or who have had a personal story to share about their journey of breaking free and living with more confidence and purpose. My guest today is Rakima Glimp. She's a writer, mentor, and advocate for equal rights and opportunity. And she knows all too well the everyday challenges faced in a rapidly changing world and helps create innovative solutions that are necessary for change. Hi, Rakima.
1: Hi, how are you? I'm
0: good. Thanks for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, Akima, I know you're the founder and CEO of Be Well 365, and you've got a book out, Total Wellness, uh, which is a millennial and Gen Z guide to living a more balanced life. And I love topics that help people live a more balanced life and a healthy one. But I just would like to know how you started that. What made you decide to do that and write that book and, and found Be Well? did you yourself have an experience of getting healthier or changing your lifestyle?
1: And Yeah, I mean, thank you for asking that question. Um, so so the the organization literally was founded out of me sort of taking an observation uh, about some work that I had been doing previously. So I run an organization called Glove uh, Consulting, which basically had me doing infrastructure consulting. So for people who don't know, what that is, it's basically serving as the back end for organizations overseeing things like HR, finance, compliance, operations. Uh, for many years, I was a chief operating officer for organizations in the social justice world. Uh, so environmental justice or racial justice or LGBTQIA2+, uh, and the list goes on. And as I was working with those groups, I said, you know, it's a lot easier to sort of be a truth teller about what's working and what's not working from the outside. Um, And that's how sort of Glimp Consulting was created. It was born out of this need to want to always speak truth to power around what is happening for people, what can we be doing about it? And when organizations decide that they don't want to do the right thing, still being able to speak truth to what is happening so that I'm not feeling like I'm abandoning my own values and principles. Um, And doing that work I realized that more and more and more the work was about coaching. The work was more about, you know, people asking me questions that felt more centered around life coaching as opposed to occupational coaching, as opposed to management coaching. Right. Uh, And the more and more that kept happening, the more I kept saying, you know, actually what I'm starting to realize is that people aren't feeling okay. Mm -hmm. They're not feeling okay. And because they're not feeling okay, They're having a hard time deciding whether or not they're, if they're not feeling okay, because they personally are not okay, or because the organizations are creating environments that make it so that they are not feeling okay. Um, And I started doing all of this sort of, you know, uh, discovery work with clients to try and piece apart, where are you? What's happening? Mm -hmm. At the same time, this is happening. Of course, I'm going through my own journey because, you know, for a very long time, uh, I had also been on my own wellness journey, which was, hey, Rakima, you need to get these pieces, of, you know, in the house in order, in order for your life to feel like you have a life of meaning, a life of purpose. Uh, and when I gave birth to my son, that became, you know, sort of like, the, I think the pivotal moment where it was like, oh, no, you have to really get all these things in order. Um, and because he is constantly with me in the work, he's a constant reminder that, wait a second, this work never ends. Um Once I realized that the people that I was working with, the more and more we did the one-to-one coaching, the more and more I discovered that, like, actually just, no, people aren't even coming to work okay, I decided to start to do wellness retreats for them because I said, you know, I wish that someone had said to me, hey, you seem like you're not okay Uh, the job is not going to give you more benefits than what they are going to give you. They're not going to pay you more than what they're going to pay you. Sure. You know, they're going to take more hours from you than you're willing to give and sure it's going to disrupt your home life. Right. Uh, Which will have impacts on all kinds of other areas of your wellness. Why don't you come to this retreat? Why don't you sit with us? Let's process and let's game plan together so that we can create some, some boundaries and so that we can gain some awareness of where we are in our emotional and in our social wellness right um so that we've got areas that we can focus on to work on and because i didn't get that coming through my own career i didn't hear other mentors say that they had gotten that for me it became very clear hey rakima then you have to create the thing yeah so we created these wellness retreats and started inviting some of the progressive left's movements uh into these retreats one after another after another and what we realized in going through the retreating process is that people need to have us focus on wellness because all too often folks don't even understand how that shows up in their lives.
0: Yeah, if you've never felt it, you don't know that you're unwell, right. do you? Until someone tells you and shows you another that's way. That's right, that's
1: right. And and that's what we keep running into. People are like, I just didn't realize. And And so the bigger mm. part was like, people don't even realize that like wellness has eight pillars, maybe even more, right? I'm convinced. Yes, that intrigued me. Eight That's pillars? right. That's right. But, uh, I'd
0: love to hear what they are. <laughs> That's yeah. right.
1: I mean, people, people have been caught off guard with this because I think that for a long time, folks have been told, hey, you need to focus on what you eat. You need to focus on working out, right? But but if you're us, you realize, wait a second, but it's more than that, right? Like it's it's your emotions, yeah how are you doing emotionally? Are you flashing at people? Are you going off at people? Are you feeling depressed all the time? Like, how are you emotionally? What are you doing to pour into your emotions? Physical, you know, are you working out? Are you moving? Are you keeping things going? I mean, that's the one that the society loves to focus on, right? But then there are ones like environmental. How's your home life? Are you out in nature? Are you taking in the world around you? Like. What are you doing about you know what's happening in the home? Some people are environmentally unwell because when they go home, they're overwhelmed. There are things happening at home mm. that mean that they don't have peace at home. Some people are unwell because they live in environments that are you know hostile, right? And so they may leave the work environment or they may leave your house, you know, after having a good brunch or something. But then they're going into places that they don't feel good about, right? And that impacts how people. Yeah, there's feel. no response. That's right. That's right. Mm. Social is the one that really got people during COVID right? Because we all yeah. looked up and we we're like, wait a second, we can't hang out with our friends anymore. Wait, we can't go to our mosque or to our, our churches, right? Like we can't, you know, be in community with each other. That hit a lot of people really hard. You know, there's spiritual wellness, right? How's your spirit? I don't know about you, but I know that here where I'm located, that was a really big one. You know, folks don't mm-hmm. have anything bigger than themselves that they're holding on to. And as a result, we start to see these higher rates of people harming themselves, right? You start to see the children who are not getting along with each other anymore, the parents who are like checked out, right? And so the question is, how's your spirit? And then, of course, there's two other ones, which is, you know, financial wellness and then occupational wellness. Um, So financial, I think, speaks for itself, how you doing financially in terms of, you know, Mm -hmm. are you able to take care of yourself? Are you able to invest? Like, what are the goals that you want for yourself and how are you feeling um in terms of yeah. sustainability occupational became a really big one in covid people were like listen i don't know if tomorrow's promise but i don't know that i like this job i want to go pursue my passions right some people are like my passions look like working for myself some people are like my passions look like i don't want to ever do this again and i'm going to switch entirely from being a you know a finance director to becoming a photographer um but all of that to say You know, all of those areas we have to focus on and pay attention to. Otherwise, the minute that one, two, or three become out of whack, we start to feel unwell. So, you know, like I tend to tell people all the time, these things are a work in progress. They don't get better overnight. They don't all become perfect overnight. The idea is not to be perfect. The idea is to make sure that when you look across these areas of wellness, you're asking yourself, how am I doing on a scale of one to five? Where am I rating? And the areas that you're rating the lowest, that becomes the area that you focus on for the week. And the, the whole idea is for people to feel agency, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people, I think a lot of the somberness people are feeling and a lot of the the low energy folks are moving around here with is it has to do with whether or not if they feel like they have any agency over changing the trajectory of what's happening for them. And, and I would argue, hey, we do have agency actually, but we've got to do our work. Yeah. We have to sit down and have that conversation with ourselves and we have to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves. How are you feeling occupationally? I was just telling my son that maybe a couple of weeks ago, I said, Malik, you know, we walk around the world and we are talking to anybody who will listen. Okay. Literally yeah. anybody who will listen. We're like, this information should be free. We need to talk about it. And I said, but mom looked up and realized that I have completely let go of my physical wellness. Mm. And he just looked at me. I said, why are you looking at me like this? It's okay to be honest with yourself. Look, I understand the assignment. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. I never, ever said I was perfect. What I said is, is that we all got to get in this journey together because if not, we're going to look up and be miserable, right? And I said, so what I'm going to do is go buy myself a bike and I'm going to go for a bike ride with you. And I'm going to get myself a little Fitbit and I'm going to start watching my steps because if I don't start somewhere... I can't start the process of trying to fix a thing that I know needs to be happening, which is you need to keep moving or else you'll be anxious. You need to keep moving or else your body will start functioning all weird, right? I'm getting older. I'm not getting younger. So I don't want to be popping this hamstring, breaking that bone, doing all these things because I was living more of a sedentary life instead of an active life. Active gets me outside. That helps me with environmental wellness. So I was trying to explain to him how all of this is connected. Because if I'm not working out, if I'm not out in the world, out in the environment, guess what? That starts to affect my mental and emotional. Yeah, right. I
0: bet he liked your choice of uh, bike riding (laughs) because that included him. (laughs) I was going to say that people get quite stuck once, you know, once they've been in that lifestyle where they're not thinking out of the box anymore and can and sort of be down on themselves and think, oh, I don't like the gym or I, I feel too overweight to go to the gym or I can't afford to go to the gym. And they only think about the gym being an option and forget that, hey, I could get a skateboard or I could get a bike. That's right. or, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and so that's the, that's the right. great joy of life coaching is suddenly, you know, they start thinking of these other options and get really excited about life again. It's beautiful to see.
1: That's right, because they forget, right? Like the world tells us that when we grow up, we've got to put certain things away. Yeah. But, but I'd argue, look, if you loved roller skating, get your roller skating. I was just going to say, I've right? just taken up roller skating again, yeah. That's right, yeah. that's right. You want a jump rope, carry a jump rope. Yeah. When I travel, the one thing that's always in my suitcase is a jump rope. Yeah. Because it doesn't require anything except for a hard floor and me, right? So, yeah. but But the name of the game, right? Like, my son likes to play Frisbee. So get a Frisbee. You want to chase bubbles all day? Look, your kids want to look at bubbles and stuff? Give them the bubbles, but maybe you can do some spins. Maybe you can run up and down the street with the bubbles and have them chase you and turn it into something fun. It totally gives you an excuse as an
0: adult to do that because you're doing it for the kids.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You, you get a, a blanket card to do, do whatever you need to do to go have some fun. So, I mean, I think, you know, in the book, it tries to provide um, mm. tangible examples of the kinds of ways that we can get started in these areas that are low barriers to entry that are not high yeah. cost, right? Yeah,
0: so when you do these retreats, have you found um one common thread in where people have a difficulty with setting boundaries? like what what do they find the hardest thing to ask for or the hardest thing to say no to?
1: Yeah, I think that the I'll tell you that it's not a one hard thing to say no to. What I'm discovering is that, the folks who struggle with the boundaries, these are people who need to sort of do some deeper digging around where it comes from, though. Um, yeah. Almost always, these become childhood issues, if you can believe it, because folks are yeah. trying to prove something to someone. Folks don't want to look lazy or look like they are not pouring in the way they should. Folks are putting mm-hmm. all this undue pressure on themselves about what level of excellent is excellent, right? But when you ask yeah. them, where does that come from? because guess what? We're only in competition with ourselves. Guess what? Mm -hmm. No one else really cares. Not really. Right. And the person who's going to see you the most is you every time you look in the mirror, because the world keeps moving, whether we're being excellent today or not. But when you ask them, where's all this pressure coming from? You almost always hear them say, because when I was a kid, because when I was a kid, right. And so that's why this book also tries to center this next generation of children that are coming up right now. Because I keep saying, if parents are unwell, the kids are gonna be unwell. We have to pour into them so that they have a firm foundation, right? And so there is a whole, I think, psychological experiment that happens when we start to think about it that way, right? But I think that the boundary thing is really coming from this, this pressure that people are putting on themselves around what does excellence look like Me caring too much about what other people think about how much work I'm putting in. And some of it, you know, for some people is coming from a place of I was impoverished as a kid. I grew up with very humble means and beginnings and I want more for myself and I want more for my family. And so I'm going to work, work, work. Yeah.
0: and then they they lose sight of that goal and realize uh, and don't realize that, oh, my gosh, I'm actually living a miserable life in order to have that one day and might not even reach there to enjoy it. That's
1: right. I mean, and we we try to remind people, look at the statistics. Young people, younger and younger, are starting to have heart attacks, are starting mm. to have strokes, right, like are getting cancer. There is a reason why the younger populations are getting sicker sooner than our parents' generation and the generation before that, right? Like a lot of those mental illnesses and physical illnesses can be directly tied to like neural issues and stuff like that even. How stressed is stress before your body starts to react to it, right? How worried is worried before your chest starts to close in? So if we think about it that way, it's like, what kind of life do we want to live today? But also what kind of life do we want to live tomorrow? You'll hear, my son will tell you, I tell him all the time, I'm trying to live to see my grandkids. Like, can we be clear that like, I'm not interested in dying early. And if someone is doing something that's taken five years of life for me, you will hear me scream that out. I am not losing five years of life because you don't know how to contain your emotions. Like, (laughs) it's it's a statement for me, right? Which is like, I don't want stress that is undue for me, right? And those boundaries are- But
0: Rakima, how long have you known that- and thought that way. Like, at what stage did you reach that realization? Were you always like that?
1: Well, I think I was. My my. So when I was a kid, I was always a person who wanted to get away from people who were high stressed and people who mm. were wreaking havoc. Right. I would call them, you know, um, carriers of chaos. Right. So from a very young age, I was very much about like I'd rather hang out alone if it means you're going to bring me chaos. Went away to college. Yeah. Went away to go start my career. And I even like when I reflect back, I even see myself distancing from people who felt like they were bringing more stress as opposed to pouring into me in a healthy way. And for folks Mm -hmm. who poured into me in a healthy way and and taught me things and brought me peace, I spent more time with them. As an adult now, I'm very much the same. My son is like, you don't have any friends. I'm like, it's not that I don't have any friends, but I don't want to choose to hang out in a world, you know, with people who are going to bring all of this anxiety and chaos. I have a job to do right yeah. now and I'm on a mission, right? I've got a purpose. So I think I have personally been like this my entire life, but I only gained awareness of why I was doing what I was doing maybe in the last 10 years.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. So it's not like you had a million and one dramatic um chaotic relationships and and loads of drama with friends no that led to you saying enough is enough no
1: I mean you know of course I I, so not of course but I did come from a past of like you know lots of chaos and drama in my household growing up and so that's the reason why I'm very sensitive to children because there was definitely chaos there uh and I remember I could not wait to get out of there right? Like that was all I had strived towards. But as an adult, I haven't had a series of chaotic relationships or any of that because I do enter into the world with a different lens, which is I've always been trained to read people and to read profiles and stuff like that. So I think in an unfair kind of way, (laughs) right? I think some people might call that unfair. I have had the gift of being able to to see trouble before it gets to me. Um, And so that's both been a gift and a curse.
0: (laughs) Okay. Have you been able to figure out then why one child in a family that's got chaos says, right, this is definitely not going to happen for me and my family and my future? I don't want this. I want the opposite. And yet another child from the same family will just repeat the pattern of what they know and go into other chaotic relationships. Oh, this
1: is such a good question. Oh, man. This just hit me right at home. So, a little bit about me I come from a family of six. I'm number four, if you can believe this. Mm -hmm. Everyone else around me, with the exception of my youngest brother, have all done the same thing. They've all repeated the same patterns. Mm -hmm. This has been a question for us. We even got to a point where we said, we think we're adopted. Do you think we were adopted Mm -hmm. as children? Because we're like, what is the big difference? And I do think, you know, for me, some of it has to do with trauma which is like some personalities are a little bit more rigid and they want to stick to what feels familiar. Yes, this person abused me and they are the only person who I feel familiar with and I'm not willing to stretch myself. I'm unable to stretch myself to be comfortable enough to do something different. My brother and I, the biggest differences between my brother and I and the rest of my siblings is we didn't mind losing everything to break away. Yeah. Yeah. And so that to me is more of a personality experience, right? So we do a lot of personality profiling of different folks who come through the retreat. And one of the things that we've discovered is for people who are already in their profiles, right? Because when you're born, you already have certain things a part of your personality traits. Mm. For people that have personality traits that are a little bit more about needing to anticipate, a little bit more about liking consistency. And those types of traits, I find that those are the ones who struggle the most to break away from these patterns. Yeah. In my personality profile, mine talks a lot about being a leader and sort of being very vocal and stuff, right? And so when I look at my background, I say, wow, that's interesting. There was a point in my life where I had literally processed, if you say something, there is a risk you're going to lose your family. Mm. If you decide to be different, there's a risk you're going to lose your family. How important is this? And I remember when I got maybe about in the 11th grade or 12th grade, that was the first time that I had learned that there was a thing called chosen family. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And in experience in that, I said, oh, my goodness, my chosen family feels more like my family than my real family. Um, And that became the real family. So the difference for me, and I talk to my brother about this all the time, is choice. It's not that we're not all put on notice that we see that things are happening that look like the same things that we didn't enjoy. It's that a lot of us don't have the discipline to change. A lot of us don't have the desire to change. And some of us don't even have the profiles that allow for it to feel like it's something that's even doable within reach. The last thing I'll add here is mental health plays a big role. Mm. My brother and I, of all six of us, are the only two that don't struggle with deep mental health issues. As a result, the siblings around us, though, are ones who are struggling deeply with that kind of stuff. And so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit, right? Which is like, you have all this chaos. You're used to the chaos. The chaos is bringing you mental unwellness. But because it's what you're used to, you don't know how to get out of the cycle. Um, We've been given the gift of being able to have a bird's eye view which is a little bit different also. So, you know, it, it's it's challenging because when you ask that question, it feels loaded, which is like every person experiences life very differently. But there mm. are all of these things that go into whether or not a kid is going to end up being able to make the choice to get out of it or to not. Uh, and then what happens with life thereafter.
0: Yeah, like some people have addictive personalities and some don't. That's right. So then it's not difficult to resist smoking or drugs or alcohol if you don't have addictive personality. And it kind of seems unfair. A little bit, right? A little bit. I mean, I
1: had an older sister tell me, you know, she thought it was unfair that my life seemed perfect, which is really bizarre because I was like, wait, perfect? To know my story is to know that it's far from that, right? Like there's definitely been Mm -hmm. adversity here. But from the outside, I think what I hear her saying is, because you don't struggle with these things that I wish I didn't have to struggle with. Yeah. And while my, I'm unwilling to shift also, I'm unwilling to feel discomfort and changing. I'm also extremely aware that like your trajectory looked very different. And I don't know how you got from point A to point B, right? Because I wasn't paying attention or I wasn't present for that. But it feels unfair that like you don't have to suffer in the same way.
0: Yeah, like forgetting your achievements even, the yeah. fact that you can be a leader or speak out loud, whatever it is you That's feel right. you want to speak passionately about might be something that she would need hours and hours and hours of pushing herself to do and then can't do it.
1: That's right. That's right, right. That's right. So I don't, yeah. I don't make it a habit of even judging it, right? Like what I say yeah. to people is like, look, when you make a decision that you're ready to change and you want to walk that walk, I'm always going to be here to walk with you people at the retreat will tell you, I tell them all the time, let's walk, let's do this journey together.
0: What's frustrating though, is when you have those tools and you know that you can help people close to you, you're not able to actually do that in- unless they're asking for it and they're ready. And that's, right. you know, like the people who are coming to the retreat and you just have to watch it happen.
1: That's right. That's right. Cause part of it is like, I'm also not God. Right. Yeah. And so I can share knowledge. I can be there when the phone call comes in I can even process with you. I mean, I can't even tell you how many hours I spend processing with folks. I can process and I can tell you what my thoughts are, but I'm very careful not to tell you what to do. I'm very careful with not trying to push you in a direction I think is right, because I'm Um, very aware that I just don't know everything, right? If we only see 5% of what's going on in the world, who am I to think that I know your journey? Yeah. Right? So I do try to support, and I'm also aware that, you know what? but everybody's going to live their life. And so give it to who, you know, the folks who are interested in who want it. And, yeah. you know, if you have to allow for folks to live a little crash and burn a little and experience life, that's also okay. Because at the end of the day, there's a higher power at play. Right. Mm.
0: Well, you said that most things go back to childhood mm-hmm. and, you know, our upbringing definitely affects so many things but what about schooling i'm interested in that you said you homeschool your son That's so right. do you believe that the school system is damaging children or or not like
1: how do you see it what's your yeah. opinion i think it's damaging a lot of them um mm. this is a very political statement i'm making at this point uh, and it's it's mine alone but I pulled my son out because by the time he was three years old, he was already dealing with racism in the schools. Mm. Um, And I saw that what happened is that all of a sudden he was being punished at rates I couldn't believe, you know, for just being a little boy with a lot of energy, right? He was always one of the smartest kids in there, always at the top of the class, always the first to know how to tie a shoe and spell his name and do math and all these things. But because he couldn't sit still all of a sudden, instead of them, you know, creating pathways for him to deal with his energy, right? Come on, Malik, let's go outside and run then since you get all this energy, right? Mm. Um, It was like, he's not a fit for the school he needs to go. And so when I saw that they were willing to be hyper punitive to kids and specifically in America, like it's a black and brown experience where these kids are being punished at different rates than, you know, our counterparts. I said to myself, I need to start to pay attention to what his journey is, because I know that I live in a place that is not good or conducive for Black men specifically. And so uh, by the time he got into pre-kindergarten, I had seen that he had started biting his fingernails, that mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, he was having all these like anxiety written things, right? So, you know, biting the fingernails, you know, not sort of being able to focus a lot at all. Mm-hmm. Um And coming home with all of these stories about like how he was being ignored in the classroom, how he'd finish his work, but then be sent to the principal because he, you know, because he couldn't sit still. I finally, by first grade, I was like, this doesn't work for my child. My kid is a neurodivergent child. He's an ADHD kid. I said, I don't want them to make it so that he feels like he has a problem. Yeah. He gets into first grade. We pulled him out of the private school, put him into the public school. And it was even worse. You could never believe. The, the teachers are inundated with school classrooms that are like 30 kids to one teacher. Hmm. And you've got, imagine that all the boys of the world with all their hyper energy. Jordan,
0: we were 45 to
1: one teacher. Imagine. That's right. Right. And so yeah. really what happens is that the teachers end up in this experience where they're doing more discipline than they're doing teaching. Yeah. So then his first year, it was like, wait, he's not even learning. And he said to me, he came to me, he says, mom, I think that I'm now like behind my counterparts in the private school because we haven't learned anything all year. Meanwhile, I had gotten three calls from the principal. So I pulled him out because I thought his mental health and wellness was going to be at stake. By the time the anxiety started showing up and I started seeing the fingernail biting and all of that stuff, I had read that those are clear signs of like anxiety, right? And and how kids are trying to cope with things that are happening that they may not have words to put, you know words to put to it, right? Pulled him out, got him a therapist. Cause I am definitely pro therapist. And I was mm-hmm. like, black male therapist, I need you to work with my son. I need you to tell me what's happening for him. Yeah. Um, and he came to me, he says, you know, he's experiences in bullying. He's got teachers who were yelling at him all the time and giving him a lot of anxiety. He said, you know, they're not creating solutions for children who are super smart, but super active, So I pulled him out and I was like, you know what? This is going to change my life also. And that was the scariest part, right? Is that Mm. as a working parent, I was like, how am I supposed to spend time? Like, how am I supposed to make time to have my kid at home full time, teach him, pay the bills, right? And because I'm a single parent also, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, it's all falling on me. It's all happening. Yeah. Right. And I even had a small meltdown about it a couple of years ago. I was like, I can imagine. (laughs) I'm sure this it wasn't small, small. <laughs> Right. <laughs> this Just is a small one. It's true. It's true. It's like this is a lot. Oh my God. Like, and really yeah. the break, the, the meltdown was like, because life's not perfect, right? Yeah. Like, and scenarios are not perfect. And even though you plan that this kid can survive in the regular experiences, the truth is, it's like the kids require that we are nimble and flexible to what is happening today. They yeah. don't get to wait for us for it to be convenient right? It's never convenient. So so I said, look, you can feel how you feel today. But tomorrow, you're going to have a solution for this kid because he's counting on you. Yeah, to help him get through this thing, too. So I pulled him home. And we have been homeschooling ever since. And I use the world as his learning playground. Mm. We travel all over the world so he can learn about cultures because I want him to feel comfortable with any and everybody. And the other part of it is political, too, which is like, And honey, you don't have to stay in a country that doesn't respect your mind, body, and soul. There can be a different place called home, right? Um, And so I want you to experience that. So that's what we do. So he has been out on his own since he was, I guess, at the end of first grade. Uh, He's now sixth grade. And he has been to more countries than I can even imagine. Uh, He plays with everybody's kid. When he's learning science, he's learning it in the water, when he's learning about, you know, trains, he's tracing after locomotives in Germany, right? Like this has been his trajectory and he is, he is sword. so the schools, this the school district that oversees his education, they have said to me, this is the best thing you ever did for him. Keep mm. doing it. Keep the pictures coming. Like keep us posted on all the things that he's yeah. learned along the way, but it did come at a sacrifice and it meant that I had to rearrange my life yeah. so that he became a top priority and- I was able to sort of, you know, keep doing the work that I love doing, all the while trying to make sure that my wellness doesn't go out the window. So here we are,
0: on a bicycle. That's in our fitness. (laughs) That's
1: right. That's right. That's right. Well, Well, his PE was. I mean, he took surf lessons, and that was PE. Yeah. We, you know, we we horseback rode in Belize, out in the jungle. And that was PE, right? But it was also biology, and it was also science, and it was so. And then one step further is I brought him um, in to come work for the firm mm. because I wanted to teach him real life skills. I said, "Listen, son, we all have work to do. We all have a job. Like I want to teach you everything I know." Now that for me was me giving him agency because yeah. I don't ever want anybody to shut the door on him because of his you know differences or whatnot. So I said, "Listen." Let me give you everything I've got. Let me teach you. Let me let me bring you to these retreats so that you can also work with us to be in community with these people. Oh. Um, and it's been magical because everybody knows him the same way they know me. Yes.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. And it's a great example of what you were talking about, you know, choice and agency. It might have seemed like, oh, I have no choice. The public school is bad and the private school is bad and I'm just going to have to suffer with my son putting up with this and us putting up with this but you thought no okay I've got to think of other choices there are other choices there are challenges with that choices that's right they're really
1: (laughs) worth it aren't they that's right and the thing is is like we just can't be afraid of change yeah if change is the the watchword of the universe we have to be timely we can't be afraid of change Yes. so
0: Well, I think it's easy enough for us to say because it sounds like we're a bit similar in that we're risk takers and we, you know, um, aren't worried about changing things or leaving things behind and losing stuff in order to gain new experiences. But just to end this wonderful chat we're having, what advice would you give to people who struggle more with being able to do that? You know, are there any small little actions they can take that can start giving them more agency in their life
1: yeah no that's a good question I mean I work with people all the time who are folks who lead with fear Um, and one of the things that we do a lot of is we you know I have them pick a trusted friend if it's not me get a trusted friend because you have to process this stuff out you know if a decision needs to be made sometimes we need to sit with people and say look I know that this decision has to be made I'm not ready to make this decision. Let's talk about why, where is it coming from? Why am I feeling afraid? And really the, the the beauty in doing that kind of process work is so that then you can say, great, because I know I'm afraid and these are the things that keep coming up for me. How do I get myself as prepared as possible? Given what I know about what's given me anxiety, how do I curtail that? How do I get ahead of that? How do I plan? for the unexpected so that I'm not as nervous and I'm not as anxious about going into a future that looks uncertain or unsure, right? Mm. Um, It's a lot of the work I do. I I move in the world and I don't allow for fear to guide it. But let me tell you something, I'm very human and that fear shows up all the time. Mm. And the difference for me is, is that while I can never tell if things are going to work out, I am a person who will sit down and say, what are all of the ways this thing can can hash out? And what would I not mind and what would I mind? And what are some of the things that I can put in place so that if the worst case scenario happened, I'm able to not like fall on my knees. I can still stand tall uh, because I do think that like a lot of people that I work with who end up having major meltdowns around this or who, you know, end up, you know, spiraling into depression or whatever it is. When I talk to them, a lot of them are disappointed because it didn't pan out the way they thought it was going to pan out. Yeah. But the thing is, is that both were not in charge and we can try and anticipate, right? But even still, when you talk to them, you realize they didn't even go through the process or the exercise of anticipation. So they feel like they've been short-sighted or that they've Mm -hmm. been knocked on their butts out of nowhere, right? When in actuality, if we spent a little time up front thinking about these different scenarios, and thinking about what solutions we would deploy if these things transpired i think that less of us would be caught off guard and we would be having a less emotional experience so start small process with someone that you trust talk yeah. about it but that requires vulnerability and that requires truth telling right and so if yeah. you struggle with vulnerability then you know maybe a therapist is probably the way to go because that's a neutral third party that you don't have to worry about with judgment right yeah. but if you don't worry about those types of things. Start with processing with a close friend, write down the things that you are most anxious about, the things that you know that you need to get in order. Yeah. And have that friend work with you on thinking through what is the what is the A, B, C, D, E that need to happen in order for you to get from A to Z? Um, yeah. Because that's the other area that we keep saying is that we make an assumption that everybody can project manage out a task, Mm. And a lot of people are like, I see where I want to go. I don't know how to get there. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Some people are just naturally very good at that. That's And right. some aren't. Yeah.
1: That's right.
0: Um, you saying that makes me think of even simple tasks like you really do need to get from A to Z and have a map.
1: That's right.
0: It's really good if you have plan B and plan C in case that road has a closure or in case you run out of gas, or in case, you know, whatever it is, that's right that you think, okay, I'm going to stay in that hotel if that happens, or I'm going to call that friend if this happens, and they can help me with this. And, and then you feel safer going on that journey, because you know that, oh, no matter what happens, I've got it kind of figured
1: out. That's right. That's right. Because that gives people ease and going into things that feel unknown, right? Like, When I was going into homeschooling, I was like, look, I'm not sure I feel like I've got what it takes to do this. And so if I don't, or if I run into a stumbling block, what are my resources? Okay, I'm going to do some online, you know, curriculums. Okay, I'm going to go buy some workbooks that will help to guide me when I'm struggling on building out his curriculum. Okay, I'm going to infuse travel because I know that that will hit several boxes, okay, I'm going to go ask and join all of these homeschool networks, right? Because Mm -hmm. I got questions and the only people who can answer it are people who are living that life, right? Like, yeah. So it is about, you know, processing out, like, what are the things I need to care about in order for these things to work the way that I really, really want them to. And, you know, one more thing is that, and don't be disappointed if it doesn't work the way you want it. Because the other thing is that That happens too, right? And we have to be all right and accept the fact that like, life is not perfect and neither are we.
0: But sometimes it works out better. That's exactly right. You (laughs) you don't want to miss out on that, do you?
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. And sometimes we think it's not working out and then you turn around and you say, wow, that's the best thing that ever happened to us.
0: Yes. Yeah. You get rejected for something and you think it's awful, but then you get something amazing. You're like, thank God I was rejected (laughs) for that other thing. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, uh, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much. You got it. I hope that, you know, it's really helpful for listeners to, to realise that they have agency, no matter how hard it is, whether it's their job or their life at home, it's little changes and choices. That start shifting towards having a life that you're happier and healthier and calmer living and um, I think your experience and your story with others is a great example of that today thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode of breaking free please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms and of course I'd really love it if you can subscribe rate or review the show You can reach me directly at branyakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today, or find out how I can support you on your journey.